somewhere in the bowels of the city that never sleeps. Kevin McCullough, radio host with Salem Media. Is a man also not sleeping. Syndicated radio talk show host Kevin McCullough. And that guy would like a word with you. Many of you know him from as Lotus Fridamas. Of course that Kevin show is going to be great. The only thing that could be greater, of course, would be that Donald show. But we don't have that, so we have that Kevin show. Featuring the music of Dick Tunney and the Dream in Color Orchestra. Yet to come, she loves being the mean girl in the new movie Divine Influencer, Micah Lynn Hansen, The Holderness Family and Pickleball, and back to the spotlight with Rachel Lampa and Toby Mack. And now, from Times Square, where even the coke-dealing cartel members will ghost you if you text them too often, here's that Kevin! Uh, excuse me? <laughs> okay, for the record, I don't have a coke dealer. No, it was Overheard New York. Oh, Overheard New York? Yeah. Okay, I can believe, yep, they, I can believe somebody it. said it. All right, time to get to the news. Here's Assignment Desk Weekend. For Assignment Desk Weekend, I'm Kevin McCullough. Let's get to the news. On Friday, Joe Biden, looking a bit hangry here as they delayed his daily ice cream treat till after the press conference, announced his new executive action on trying to curb gun violence. Now, the nation has been waiting for this announcement for weeks. He insisted he wished to make something perfectly clear. I mean, as we evolve our institutions and drive creative new partnerships, let me be clear. And after all the suspense, waiting, and mumbling, he announced his super original idea. He would be naming a czar on gun violence, named Kamala Harris. You know, the one he already named czar for the border issue. And since that was such a huge success, it was a rough week for the president. Earlier in the day, he literally walked into a flag, tried to sniff her hair, refused to shake hands with the president of Brazil, and couldn't for the life of him figure out why his manicurist had painted a message on his fingernails. When he pressed his fingers together, they read, tell Hunter, we found the dime bag. Not to be deterred, the president was determined to end the week on a high note. No, that's not a reference to the dime bag. So on Friday, he addressed a vital constituency, praising the long, tough road and hardships that the Congressional Black Caucus Conference had persevered to overcome. He delivered a stem-winding speech praising the Congressional Black Caucus. I mean, as we evolve our institutions, let me be clear. Saying he loved the Congressional Black Caucus, how he felt it was important to take a knee with the Congressional Black Caucus. Heck, he reflected how he could recall the good old days, you know, when he and Senator Byrd were made honorary members of the Congressional Black Caucus. Thus, imagine the blank stares kind of 
no comprende? Of the members of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus that were in attendance at his speech. Senate Leader Chuck Schumer is regretting his life choices this weekend. Earlier in the week, at the threats of Herman Munster, uh, scratch that, <laughs> sorry, copywriters having a bit of fun at my expense, we mean the urging of Senator John Fetterman from Pennsylvania. The leader had changed the dress code for senators to allow for more casual styles. Fetterman, famously known for wearing gangster-style hoodies instead of the traditional coat and tie, promised not to put Schumer in any more chokeholds in exchange for the rules change. But this has brought about new problems for the Senate leader. Now he must make a decision on whether or not legislation can come up from Joe Manchin this coming week to reinstate the coat and tie standards. Also, he's very uncomfortable about Mitch McConnell's request to implement Wear Your Wife's Wedding Dress to Work Day. In sports, both of New York's NFL teams lost this week, but perhaps no team's fans lost more this week than that of the Carolina Panthers. Uh, they added Justine Lindsay to their Top Cats cheer squad. Lindsay made history with the Top Cats as... He is now the only cheer member in NFL history to be in need of top surgery and came equipped with parts not usually found on any other cheerleader in the NFL. When asked his thoughts on his new job, he replied, I want to change the narrative for my trans brothers and sisters and let them know that they can become whatever they dream, an NFL cheerleader, a doctor, or even a nurse. Simon Desk Weekend would like to point out that no male or female are now or have been forever been being barred from becoming doctors or nurses. And finally, Simon Desk Weekend would like to recognize the daughters of music mega producer David Foster for enrolling in their current continuing education curriculum. I think it's called CelebritiesCanLearn2.com. The two took to their podcast to decry the state they live in, California, and the standard of living they've been reduced to. Sarah Foster, aged 42, replied, I have a lot of complaints about the city and state. When asked why she didn't leave, the 90210 alum replied, well, I miss my friends and my family. She also then cited a 10-year exit tax that California passed into law earlier this year. Now imagine this. Paying taxes to a state you don't live in for 10 years. Sure, Sarah, stay right there. <laughs> what could go wrong? I'm sure everything will work out peachy. Or wait, how about this? How about you move to Texas, take all your stuff, and tell California to go drop dead? Saw them off, stick them into the ocean. <laughs> for Simon Desk Weekend, I'm Kevin McCullough. Playing. It's like ping pong and badminton had a baby. Is that a wiffle ball? What is this? A PE class for seniors? Pickle ball? I mean, I, I love pickles, but we're way too young to play this. I think this is for retirees, so when I retire, I'll give it a go. Does it even count as actual exercise? And that sound? Think, think, think. It's kind of annoying.
annoying. It looks so easy, almost too easy. Why is everyone smiling? Sports aren't about smiling. Sports are about winning. Oh, friend, you should try this. No, thank you. This looks kind of ridiculous. Okay, have a great day then. They're all so cheerful. So annoying. Wait, this major construction in our neighborhood is for pickleball court? What is happening? People are lined up to play pickleball? Is this like a popular sport? Is that a pickleball vanity plate? On a Tesla? Is pickleball the future? Kevin Durant plays pickleball. Jamie Foxx is in a pickleball commercial. So wait, there are teams and professional pickleball players? LeBron James owns a pickleball team? So it's an actual sport. Okay. Also, that guy is ripped. Okay. He is definitely not a senior citizen. Okay, fine. I guess it could try it. I mean, the weather's nice, so I guess it won't be a complete waste of time being outside. There is a pickleball option on my watch, so I mean, I guess I could just get credit for exercise. Ah, look at that. I mean, it doesn't sound great, but it feels pretty good. I mean, I guess I could upgrade these paddles or buy some new clothes. I know it looks easy, but there is some skill involved. I mean, that. <laughs> okay, I've played one time, and for some reason, this sport has made me want to commit completely. I want to take a lesson, or two, or like a package of 12. Go with the 12, it's better value. I do have a tennis lesson tomorrow night. Cancel it. And we were supposed to go bowling. Cancel that. Yep, we're pickleballers. This is who we are now. No, I don't have time. I'll miss the meeting because my net game needs work. I've printed out the rules. Let's sit here and learn all of them. It's all about the kitchen and that third shot. Honey, how long have we been here? Three hours. What? Feels like 20 minutes. I'm gonna see if we can get somebody to get the kids from school. They can walk home. Yeah, three miles will do them some good. I don't know if you noticed, but I upgraded our paddles. Yes. What do you think? That honeycomb polymer gives me maximum spin. I know. I think we're ready for a tournament. We are so flipping good. Did you see that dig shot? You look like Ben freaking John. Should we open a pickleball-themed restaurant? Yes. Serve pickles and, like, pickle-flavored things? Yes. Does our restaurant also make pickled beer? 100%. We are so good at pickleball. Get out of the kitchen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I thought you said you wanted to get serious about this, honey. No, I do. Come on, let's play again. They're going to call that every time in the tournament. Every time. Oh, look. You're back. So glad to see you. I'm going to take you down, Doreen. Ladies and gentlemen, my next guest is a um, talented, uh, multimedia level actor. She's uh, done streaming, she's done film, she's done TV, and she's in a brand new picture that's coming out, uh, that has come out rather, with Great American Pure Flix, their brand new partnership, and we are very, very excited to welcome Micah Lynn Hansen. Hello, Micah. Let's talk about the 
the world that has been your life leading up to Divine Influencer. Let's let's talk about little Micah when she was growing up. What did she want to do, and do you see yourself doing what you pictured back then? Oh, man. It's funny because I feel like kind of like with the theme of Divine Influencer, um, my life has not turned out anything like I thought it would. Uh, but it's so much better than I thought it would be. If if I had had my plans, um, yeah, my life would not look like this at all. But God's plans have always been so much bigger and better. So um, that being said, when I was young, I did want to, um, I didn't know, I was, I was homeschooled and um, raised very, very sheltered. And so I didn't know that acting was a career. I didn't know that was a thing that you could do or that entertainment was a thing. Um, and let alone being able to do it in a God-honoring way. So when I found, I think it was the Kendrick Brothers Flywheel was like the first like Christian movie that I saw um, and kind of realized that um, people do this and you can do it in a God-honoring way. And uh, I'm just very, very blessed to get to be a part of it. So um, And you've done some work I'm outside. You've done some, some work outside like the Christian genre, but you have done a, quite a bit of, of the faith-based stuff as well. <laughs> And one of the yes. things, you know, I, I'm 53 and I, I was homeschooled for a brief period of time, kind of cool to start running into generations of people that have uh, have experienced that and, and made yeah. it to the professional realms and, and we're excelling in, in many of these fields. <laughs> um, but I want to I talk to you about that because when I was a child growing up and someone would say something about a Christian film, uh, there would be this kind of rolling of the eyes and they would be, uh, you know, kind of uh, almost uh, dazed, glazed over in terms of a look. Uh, and they would think of mm -hmm. some sad thing that people watched on Sunday night services in their in their churches that, you know, were about end times and scary. <laughs> um, the the, the yeah. field of faith um, storytelling has really exploded and taken off in ways that uh, I've, I've never, I've never really thought at that age that it would ever get to this level. And there's so many different mm -hmm. ways to be part of that. Now, what, what do you make of, I don't know, just the opportunity that kind of sits at your feet? I always go back and it's kind of cheesy to say, but you know, where Mordecai is talking to Esther, and he said that you're here for such a time as this. And I, I just feel so blessed and honored that I get to be in the industry at a time where we have um, not even just so many options, but we have uh, faith-based options, like you were saying. Like, I never thought it would get here, uh, let alone be at a place where I was really proud of it. Because I'll be honest, a lot of, uh, a lot of Christian media was, uh, it was what it was, you know? <laughs> Um, and I won't dog on it too much, but well, I'm just, what it seemed it, to me, and this is, I love candid conversation. What it seemed to me was it was always kind of looking at what was being done in the mainstream and kind of trying to say, we want to aspire to that. And I think what's happened, mm -hmm. particularly since the emergence of like the chosen and a handful of other projects, the passion of the Christ, probably the first one that really broke through on this level, but basically saying, no, we're not going to try to be like anything else. We're going to be a really good story told from a really quality perspective from, from what we want to do. And we're going to kind of set the pace for others. And, you know, angel studios and others have branched out. Pure Flix has done the same thing. They've branched out into these arenas where they're doing some thrillers. They're doing some mystery. They're doing some other things that aren't in the typical, you know, genre sweet spot. Yeah. And I think that's so great. Cause if you look at Jesus when in his time on the earth, 
um, he didn't quote a ton of Bible verses when he was, when he was teaching in parables, he was just telling a story and the moral and the, the message he was trying to get through was in the story. I don't believe, and I could be wrong and I'm happy to be proven wrong, but I don't believe he ever quoted scripture when he was telling a parable, you know? And so the fact that we as Christians can tell a story and it doesn't have to, you know, have an altar call. It doesn't have to have this and that, like, it can be a good story that gets people thinking and that will at, will lead people to the foot of the cross if they allow it to, you know? Yeah. So I, I think, you know, Jesus was the ultimate storyteller. Why would we not try to duplicate that? We're visiting with the uh, beautiful and talented Micah Lynn Hansen. Uh, Micah, let me ask you about your own development as an actress. We've kind of talked about the the field, but who, who did you... Um, who did you like to watch as a young actress growing up? And, you know, what, what type of acting methodology do you most, um, I don't know, uh, kind of practice? I've been around people, uh, particularly in the mainstream, that have uh, had some experience with this, and they're always inspired by, uh, by someone. Who has been some of your inspirations? Um, I think... For whatever reason, Robert Downey Jr. and Denzel Washington have always been like my two top actors. I just think they're phenomenal. I love Robert Downey Jr.'s personal story of where he was in his life and how he uh, was able to turn that around. And also that he doesn't really like to take it too seriously. I'm not a method actor. I don't think there's, you know, no, no, um, you know, shade toward anyone who is just me personally. I can't live in a character. Like I, I can't do it. I would get very mentally unhealthy if I did that. So I really like to be able to having known uh, some of them, I would say that's a good reason not to do it. So good good for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh I don't really have a method if I'm quite honest. Like I just like to just immerse myself in okay, what if I Micah was going through this respond, you know? Right. And um bringing as much of myself to the character I see on the page as possible and just playing and, and having fun with it and, and exploring it. What, uh, when, when you, when you take on, like, we're going to talk about divine influencer in a minute, but when you're, when you're looking for roles, what, what as an actress do you, do you find particularly uh, enticing about a role? What is it about a, a, a character or, um, the the way the character is used in the story that that you you kind of feel like is is your sweet spot so to speak. Uh well, I think it's kind of changing as I get older. Like I really, I used to always want to play like the pretty ingenue character, you know, the one that everybody loves and she falls in love. And those characters are super fun. I do really enjoy them. Uh, but now I really really lean towards honestly the, the type of character I played in Divine Influencer. She's not. She's not everybody's favorite character. She's kind of the brat. She's uh, kind of jaded. And, uh, and at this stage of my career, I really enjoy getting to play uh, the bad guy, quite honestly. Uh, I write grit, grittier roles. And, you know, because in real life, I don't want to be the bad guy in real life. So I can pretend to be the bad guy. <laughs> so I'm more drawn towards those roles. And... I mean, you look at the Bible and, you know, there's villain people and who doesn't love a good villain? You know, every role is right now. That's what makes the hero that much more important. We're going to take a quick break. Be right back. Live from Times Square. She's Michael Ann Hansen. It's Kevin McCullough. Don't go anywhere. Ready or not, you'll be right back. 
Now, back to that Kevin show with Kevin McCullough. All right, Kevin McCullough, back for that Kevin show live from Times Square. Glad to have you with us. Uh, And coming up yet tonight in the music spotlight, it is Rachel Lampa. She's got a brand new one that is is tearing up the charts, and uh, we're excited to have her back. She she made the spotlight with us last year and uh, did pretty well at the end of your voting, so we'll see what goes on there. Uh, But back to the movie Divine Influencer and our guest, Micah Lynn Hansen, who is joining us. Uh, We spoke with Sherry Rigby a week ago, Micah, and I've known Sherry since she was in, I think, her very first film. Uh, And it's been uh, fun to kind of see see her move along. Uh, How many female directors versus male directors have you worked with in your career? And is is there a noticeable difference between style or uh, communication on the set or anything like that since the directors are the are the big boss she does it with such grace under immense pressure and it is an absolute joy and privilege to work with her and get to see her in her sweet spot because directing really is like where she just shines um even more so than in any of the other areas that she's so greatly talented in and like acting you know i just think directing is is really uh, just where she just absolutely thrives, and it's beautiful to watch. She's got the skills. Um, mm-hmm. Let me ask you: uh, This is a the, the divine influencer. What we were talking about the last segment about um, the different genres and how uh, sometimes great films actually combine a lot of different elements. And this is one that has some heartfelt emotion and conviction, trying mm-hmm. to get people to think about a very important subject. And it's also got a ton of comedy in it. And as someone that has worked with a lot of comedians over the years, I will tell you, they tell me that comedy is much harder than uh, straightforward dramas or other things. Um, What did you like about the script? What did you like about you being the bad girl or mean girl or whoever it is that you were uh, versus um, things that that may not have had as, as so many dimensions to them? I think it's really easy for rom-coms in particular to go very, very cheesy very quickly. And comedy in general, it can, you know, like you, I think your friends are absolutely correct. Comedy really is tough to do and to do well. And this one I think has a really, really good balance of that lighthearted comedy without it feeling cheesy or ridiculous, you know, and like the situation that she's in is a little over the top, you know, and, but, um, just keeps this live character so grounded and so lovable when she's a very self-centered character at the beginning but you still love her so i just think it, it goes to uh just how talented our cast was uh with being able to keep these characters very grounded but keep them just fun and cute and just so lovable uh because it is a lot easier to just go straight drama or straight comedy you know but to keep a really good balance of both, I think, is um, is something that I'm really proud of that we were able to hit with this one, I believe. Um, let me just ask you, uh, Lara has had a huge success with The Chosen, and for good mm-hmm. reason. She's done a f- tremendous job there. Um, I really do think it's quite unfair that a, a lot of the streaming stuff has not been made available for uh, Emmys and other consideration, because I do think that there are there's some work being done now in the faith space that I think is is worth considering on some of those levels. Um, Absolutely. What, was, what was she like to work with in in a in a genre that people really don't normally associate with her? I mean, there's they're so locked into her <laughs> biblical character. What was it like to let her be kind of a spoiled brat for a little bit? <laughs> um, never 
brat. I will say that she is the most humble, sweetest person that I've gotten to work with. I also worked on the production side of things and I was on the hair and makeup team on this film. And so I worked with her every single day in a single scene. I did her hair in every single, like her looks, her hair looks were all done by me. And you see people are under a lot of stress, especially in the hair and makeup room. Uh, that's where a lot some stress comes out on set and um she was just an absolute champ i mean we shot this film so fast and it was a lot in whirlwind and her first lead in a film the whole thing and she carried it with immense grace and poise and she was always um truly thinking of others before herself opposed mm. to how her character acts in the film and <laughs> uh, she always very, very giving and gracious of her time. And um, just, yeah, she's an absolute joy to work with. And I just very honored cool. to call her. Last question for you. What's next for Michael Lynn Hansen? Oh gosh, that's a great question. I hope it's something with the great American pure flicks, uh, but we'll have to see. All right, fair enough. Uh, Michael Lynn Hansen, thank you for being with us tonight and uh, best wishes on the continued success of Divine Influencer. And we will talk to you down the road. Thank you so much, Kevin. Coming right back from Times Square in New York. Don't forget the music spotlight tonight. Rachel Lamp is coming back as well. Stay here. Ready or not, you'll be right back. Kevin McCullough, glad to have you with us. Um, I am very excited about something that's going to happen in 2024, and I want to tell you about it now for a couple of reasons. One, I've only got space for 32 people to join me, uh, but when I think you kind of fully understand how special this opportunity is going to be, um, those seats are going to go super fast. So um, a number of years ago, um, before my grandfathers passed away, I, I had long conversations with them about World War II and what it meant. Uh, they both served in the U.S. Navy uh, in the big war, and they, they wouldn't talk about a lot of the aspects of what their service consisted of, what it meant. Um, they would tell me some tangential things, where, where they were, um, kind of the, the general mood of the people they served with and and a very limited amount of the things that they saw. But it is not something that that generation was comfortable with. Yet when you look back at history and when you understand that World War II was a dividing point between the modern era and, and what came before, how the world was changed, um, massive, huge uh, concepts overtaking different regions, Obviously, socialism, Nazism, communism, eventually um, what what the West and, and America and uh, Western Europe stood for. Th these were these were cataclysmic circumstances that created brand new times that we are still kind of living through the the process of understanding what they all mean. 
Having said all of that, it is also one of the, to me, one of the most fascinating periods of time. And so through the years, I've always thought it would be fun, meaningful, um, hopefully life impacting to take a trip uh, and to study the places where World War II um, impacted and how it, uh, how it changed uh, the universe. Well, I have some great news. If you're uh, a student of history, if you believe that World War II was something that was important uh, and changed the the globe as we know it, and you want to understand that better, um, I've got an opportunity for you that I did not believe would come along uh, as it has. But next year uh, will be the 80th uh, anniversary of the Normandy invasion and the liberation of France and Europe from Nazi Germany. And in that process, um, we have landed a really inside uh, opportunity here that you're not going to find anywhere else. Um, in fact, there are a few thousand people that are going to do this particular trip that I'm going to tell you about, but there are only 32 seats left, and they're the ones on my trip. Um, so there are thousands that have already signed up for this. We're not going to travel with all of them. Uh, we would travel together as just a small group of 32 people. But here's where it starts. Uh, in June, uh, on the 80th commemoration of D-Day, we start out in London uh, in the St. Pat's District. I'm sorry, St. Saint, Saint Paul's District. Uh, we retrace Churchill's steps uh, through uh, uh, his final few hours in the lead-up to the D-Day invasion. We, uh, we, we hit Westminster Abbey. Uh, we have the opportunity to go to the uh, Churchill World War II Museum. Um, we walk through with historians exactly what the impact of the German bombing on London meant to the city. Then after a couple of days in London where we start, we go to Portsmouth where we will overnight for one night and then take a, a, a channel crossing the next morning. That would be pretty identical to where the D-Day troops uh, took off and landed. They came from Portsmouth. They landed in Normandy. We will land in Normandy about two hours after we take off uh, across the channel. Um, we're going to spend three nights in uh, the area of Caen, C-A-E-N, in northern France and go to all of the beaches uh, on July 4th. We will stand in the Normandy American Cemetery and pay tribute to the fallen soldiers uh, that uh, that gave their lives for, for our freedom on July 4th. It's going to be amazing. Uh, then from there, after we spend those three days in the Normandy region with some food and some you know other great things that are going to be features to this, we then uh, head to Paris for the final two days. And in Paris, we retrace the steps of the liberation, and we end it all with a dinner cruise on the Seine River right in the heart of the world's most beautiful city. Friends, I want you to come with us on this. Uh, just go to the website, thatkevintour.com. Thatkevintour.com has all the details, thatkevintour.com. And uh, if you're watching on the Salem News Channel or Biz TV, the phone number is also on the screen you can call. But go to thatkevintour.com and hold your spot and then join us next June and July for the 80th uh, liberation of uh, 80th anniversary of the liberation of Paris and London and Europe in World War II. I hope you'll come. The summer of 2024 will mark the 80th anniversary of the liberation of Europe, D-Day. 
But what happened in the hours leading up to the invasion in London from Churchill and Eisenhower's perspective? How did the troops feel as they crossed the channel from Portsmouth to Normandy? And what was it like liberating the City of Light, Paris? We will retrace these steps in June of 2024 and on July 4th stand in the American Cemetery and honor those who fell. Would you join us? We have only limited seats available. Kevin McCullough asking you to personally come. Colette handles the details like flights, most meals, hotels, and local experiences. Your job is to just have the time of your life. So go to thatkevintour.com and check out the trip for yourself. thatkevintour.com thatkevintour.com or call 1-800-581-8942 or thatkevintour.com Hi there, it's 45, your favorite president. And me, the senator from Delaware. Oh, good grief. President Harris advised me not to do any more promotion for things like that Kevin show. He's not the president. Anyway, Joe and I thought we'd let someone else take this one. That's right, Don. Can I call you Don? Ah, it's W. And let me be clear, I'm Barack. And we just wanted to thank a couple of TV channels for picking up that Kevin show. So thanks to KFLA Channel 8 in Los Angeles. And KLEG Channel 44 in good old Dallas-Fort Worth. Both stations are part of the great Biz TV network. Find out more at biztv.com. Good job there, Barry. Tell Michelle, George says hi. You too, George. Love to Laura and the grandbabies. Yes, very well done, boys. Can somebody get me out of here? I do not belong with this crowd. He'll be right back. That Kevin. Serving it up with a no-drink minimum. It's that Kevin show. Ladies and gentlemen, the second of two duets tonight. Uh, last hour with Andrew Ripp. Here's Rachel Lampa with Toby Mack. Who said that you were beautiful and that you didn't belong in your own skin? Who said that you were all alone and that you're never gonna find love again? So many little so many little lies that have followed you all of your life Looking for the truth, look into your eyes And you'll see it's been there the whole time Ooh, even when you were running, even when you were hiding Never been a moment that you were not perfectly loved When you barely believed it, when your eyes couldn't see it Every single moment
out tonight, Rachel Lampa and Toby Mack. You're already perfectly loved. The message of that song. So glad to have you with us for another edition of That Kevin Show. We are live all fall, so make sure you make every weekend the best it can be by joining us 